and welcome to the Dice Breaker Podcast. This is episode 50. <gasps> it feels like it should be some kind of celebration. There's that, sorry, Matt, that was... there's an alarm going off somewhere. I don't know what. <laughs> it's the 50 alarm, that's it. it. The They've come alarm. for us. Sorry, that, that triggered early. That's my alarm that I set so that when I reach 50, I can jump off something. Uh, but yeah, welcome back to the Dice Breaker Podcast. <laughs> oh my god, Dan. <laughs> Live fast, die young, man. Um, <laughs> like cash is now. here, or something. Almost around a year. We were just saying this before the podcast started. We we skipped one week uh, over Christmas because we were on holiday. Uh, but I believe, other than that, it's been every week for almost one round year. Jeepers. Is so, it a year though? Um, is it a year? I mean, because it, yeah, fifty-two weeks is in fact a year. Kind of feels like just a time of stasis. Oh, just mm. flown them out. It's a rounding error in the millennia of history. I reckon when we get to 2022, we're just like it's like setting the clocks back. We just do 2021 again, and then yeah. everyone will catch up on all the time that they've missed. <laughs> mm. That's how it works, right? But yeah, <laughs> that's how time be, works. Yeah, I don't know who's like in charge a, of the biological clocks, but we'll get that bit sorted as well. And it's like yeah. Y2K, but it wasn't that a whole? At one point, I think that was a Y2K solution: is just skip the year. 2000 or something like that yeah there's something strange about it they were gonna just like run out of space and everywhere and, or something <laughs> and planes were gonna fall from the sky and some stupid idiot stuff i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and then 2012 with the mayan calendar stuff which oh, passed, yeah. but did result in a very bad film yes yeah, oh god a really yeah terrible film yeah which basically spawned its own genre which uh gerald butler seems to be making a good deal of money from yeah. Uh, shout out to Gerald Butler. I'm sure he's listening. Good job, Gerard. <laughs> mm. uh, we should probably introduce ourselves because we haven't even <laughs> yeah. done that bit yet. We're yeah, already on to Gerard Butler. I, I'm Matt Jarvis. I'm the editor in chief of Dicebreaker. I am, of course, joined by two of the team. This week, we're joined by Alex Meehan, staff writer for Dicebreaker. Hey, uh, 50 podcasts. Still hey, going. what's up, you big 50s? <laughs> Hey, calling out those 50s. <laughs> yeah, that... all I want, Matt Jarvis, is for us to have a soundboard. Uh, well, good news. When we get to episode 100, that is, that's the soundboard. They just give you one. Is uh, that what podcast, happens? I am going to uh, hold you to that. Yeah. It's like, the you know, like the Queen sends out letters to people that turn 100. Yeah. Uh, big, is... big podcast has to send you a soundboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know which one I prefer. Uh, oh yeah yeah definitely the latter I don't want a and stupid they, also, they, they invite you into that club where everyone has the same sponsors where they all wear the same clothes and use the same toothbrush and... does, yeah. uh, does that mean I'm I get I'm looking forward to my roll mattress yeah do I get HelloFresh and... yeah and the Dollar Shave Club and... yeah, yeah Dollar Blue Shave Apron, Club the one with the boxes and there's a boxes one just... Just some really fantastic brands that we're really looking forward to hopefully working with. Yeah, this is why they haven't sponsored us yet, because we give it away for free. Look, (laughs) we're not in it for the money. We're in it. Oh, because I said boxes. And therefore, Mm. all all of the boxer brands. Big boxes. Yeah, Yeah. big boxes. Big pant. Of course, joining us also is Michael Wills-Whelan. Hello, everyone. Hello. New head of video. New head of video. New head of video. Congratulations. First podcast is... Head of video for Dicebreaker. Yeah, I forgot that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we handed you the keys to the mm-hmm. the metaphorical city. 
And, now... yeah, and then we turned up to the city and you're like, all right, Wills, where's the keys? I'm like, oh, I thought you had them. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I've, um, I've stepped up. Uh, to, to the street. My dad's big hairy shoes. Um, so we're gonna... <laughs> Why are shoes hairy? Well, because, you know, he's hairy. I don't know. We're, we're both hairy. Anyway. Um... <laughs> I don't like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm queer. And I'm ready to do some... <laughs> I knew you were going to say <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to do some video nonsense. All right. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Uh, we're, of course, here to talk... Well... To talk around board games at points. Uh, mostly we're meant to here to talk about board games and tabletop RPGs and all that's happening in the world of tabletop. Mm. And as usual, let's kick off with what we've been playing. Wheels, you had a video. Let's go to you first. Yeah, so I've, I'm just desperately typing it into the Google dot now. But I, so I haven't been, um, I haven't played a lot of tabletop stuff recently, apart from me and Lolis finally got around to playing Micro Macro, which is very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see, oh, I'm just putting that in now as well. You can see our uh, it's in real <laughs> our time. I know, right? It's like it's like one of those like interactive experiences, like you go to the theater where everything's happening around you. You know, it's yeah. like one of those, but but we're doing it Ooh. in a Google Doc instead. Knees um, on, keen. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Goodness me! I definitely oh, want God. that on the soundboard. Anyway. Yes, me's on keen. That that should be on the soundboard. <laughs> and I'm me's on keen to use it. Um, oh. <laughs> you uh, came from... up with it. <laughs> yes, it's your fault, look. Man. I can I can despise my own creation as I do with <laughs> so many things. Yeah, I mean, creators around the world are familiar with that. To be fair. Um, right, so anyway, I've not played many board games. However, I have been playing, and this is going to be important because we're actually going to be doing a list video on it, hopefully <gasps> this week, but maybe the week after, um, a list of the best digital card games. Uh, so I've been playing some digital card games. Um, I just tried to log into Duelist and, and realised that it's been <laughs> shut down. <laughs> I should have told you, because when you wrote the name the other day, I was like, why does that ring a bell with me? I just don't know. <laughs> and it's because oh, I... something. Didn't they, maybe they got like a new expansion or... <laughs> no, it's because I watched a video about basically how it had been shut down of the servers. So maybe I should have said something to you then, but I, I didn't remember. Yeah, that was that was like, I mean, it reminded me a lot of Summoner Wars. And Summoner Wars is getting a digital version coming soon. So, I mean, you know, hopefully that'll fill that gap sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, so I've been playing a lot of digital card games that I'm a big fan of. Uh, recently started playing um, Fights in Tight Spaces, which is... Mm. Uh, a very very recent release i think it's still in early access but it just came out for the public um it's got like this kind of super hot aesthetic where it's like all white um with like a character who's in black and white and then all of the enemies around you are like monochrome and they'll be like yellow and red and, and what have you um but it's it's one of those kind of like slay the spire style like deck building games where you start with a with crap deck and after every encounter, you get new cards that get added in. You upgrade them, and you get rid of the ones you don't like anymore. And things get better and better and better as you go. Um, but the thing that makes it different from all the other ones is that, just like Summoner Wars, one of my favorite card games, it uses those cards in a grid-based like movement, um, like tactical uh, map. So it's a tight space. So you're you're fighting in like bars and bathrooms and like in the back of a van. So your everyday life then, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always, always you know, getting into scraps. Uh, <laughs> that's what that is. The one thing that the pandemic has really taken away from me. Yeah, my bottling. Ability, my ability to go into a random action cutscene from a Michael Bay film at any time. Um, 
so you've got like a sort of uh grid based thing and like people will attack what's in front of them and then you know you'll have like people with guns who'll be like shooting in a direction so you use not only like i'm gonna play a card that does damage but also it's like okay i'm doing a card that will do damage but also knock them back into the direction of like you know someone who's holding up a gun so when they fire it'll actually hit them instead it reminded me a lot of um and i'm talking about a lot of video games at the moment but they are video games uh it reminded me a lot of uh into the breach Oh, which yes. is a very good game. I still haven't um, played. It's sat on my desktop. <laughs> but if you can, if you can imagine that, but with uh, the deck building from Slay the Spire, like it's a pretty good combo, mm. um, and it's got a very like slick aesthetic. It's got like a bit of a Bond theme kind of like Ooh. vibe to it, where you're you're a bit probably more Daniel Craig Bond than, <laughs> than any when, others. But you know, when you said Bond theme, I was expecting like Goldfinger, like something like that. But no, it's it's um. It's just an aesthetic, okay. No, you know, you know the aesthetic of a Bond theme. Yeah. Like intro. Though. Yeah. Like it, it's got that kind of vibe to it. Like I remember, there's like a VR game called Expect You to Die, which has like a like one that's happening around you as well. It's like it's got that kind of vibe mm. to it. Uh, um, are there shadows of women with hammers and sickles? In it? <laughs> <laughs> Very subtle imagery of those ones. Um, a lot of bullets coming out of guns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's it's like they don't do a Bond theme, but they like it is like you are playing through one kind of thing. Where it's but one one of the cool things as well is like it does all these little animations of like you know you'll do like a sort of elbow around the side. Oh my god, what are they? <gasps> oh, that was a really great Foley effect. Thanks very much. Yeah, I just dropped my phone. Um, <laughs> or you you know you'll like do a flying kick and do like a roundhouse and and counter people and stuff. Um, and although it just sort of plays out in turn-based fashion, you can hit replay at the, at the end, so you, you see like the whole thing, kind of like the end of Super Hot, where you just see Whoa. everything in real time, which is really fun. Um, but yeah, so that's really cool. Uh, and one that is like a kind of a card game, kind of like a weird like tile placement management game is Loop Hero, uh, mm. which has been really popular recently. Um, a little bit of an indie darling that's come out. It's kind of like you start with just like a little path and your little hero, you can't like uh, interact with him whatsoever. He'll just do whatever comes up next to him. He'll walk down the path. If he runs into someone, he'll fight someone. And it feels very board gamey. Like it is, it is absolutely like something that like a, um, like a board game design is probably inspired, I imagine. Um, but you'll walk down this path and then, you know, go into monsters and fight them. Every time you get a monster, you get like a drop, and that could be like an equipment, like a sword or a shield or whatever. But you'll also get these little cards, and you can you can select like you build up what those cards are going to be at the start of the round, so you can kind of deck build as well. Um, but you get like say you get like a mountain card or like a, a meadow card or like a building or like a vampire mansion or whatever. You start placing those on this little grid around the path, and you start rebuilding the world because it's like you know the lore is that like the the world has been like forgotten so you're like remembering it and it's literally taking shape around you as you remember um but then every time you you place something like it makes the world more dangerous as well so like you can place down little rocks and things and they'll give you health and, and things like that you place too many rocks like goblins will turn up or like you know you can you can place down little spider burrows to give you more enemies to fight because the more enemies you fight the better and stronger you get and all that kind of stuff and you go around this little loop and it's got a very sort of like push your luck element where it's like when do I stop? Like, when do I stop adventuring and just take what I've got and then go back to camp, which is very cool. And it's a it's a bit le- like it's got card game elements as opposed to being like a, a straight up digital card game. But like that one's really impressed me recently as well. And the aesthetic is really lovely. It's some really, really nice pixel art as well. Hmm. So, yeah, a lot of digital stuff recently, but some very good digital board gamey things. Yeah, I'll allow Ooh. it. 
<laughs> me and had a, a philosophical discussion over whether i should be allowed to make the list in the slack when i was talking about that i was like oh well wheels i don't know it's not a board game so we're gonna have to put you back in the naughty step if you keep carrying on like this the, the power's gone straight game. to your head yeah it? you're pushing it well you're pushing it the two days on the blurry. job and you're like here we go <laughs> right it's the video game website now <laughs> dice never heard of them <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, if that's all you've been playing, mm. uh, Alex Meehan, tell us. Your list is very long this week. I, say, I saw it in the in the dock. Yeah, I've been playing loads of board games oh this God, week. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been playing a lot this week. It's just, um, you know, it just swings around about. Some weeks nothing much happens, other weeks it's packed. Uh, so this week I've been playing some old favourites uh, like Hanabi which I very much enjoy. It's a co-op card game, which is very unusual. You can only see your so your uh, allies, your other players' hands of cards. So you have to give them clues as to what they have so then they can play the correct cards in the right order and then make the best fireworks display. Uh, and so we, did, we didn't do too bad considering it was one, late, and two, we had quite a few new players. Uh, but it, there's a really good version on Board Game Arena. It actually works really well. Um, mm. So we played that. We played Six in a Mitt, which is becoming uh, a favourite among our friend group because it's just a really great drinking game and just casual oh, okay. game. Yeah, so okay. you you drink. Yeah, you take a certain amount of drink every time you take balls. So... <laughs> They're called balls. Yeah, okay. it's, it's the it's you, the emphasis. It was the you could you could just said you know every time you take the the balls in the game, but you went yeah. every time you take balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's because the balls are bad. You gotta watch out for them. Um, yeah, so we're playing that a lot as well as Ink and Gold, also known as Diamant. Uh, I prefer the name Diamant, and also I prefer the artwork for Diamant to Ink and Gold. Uh, but they're basically the same game. Um, and, yeah, you have to venture into a, a temple. Um, uh, but the, it's full of spiders and zombies and snakes and fire, uh, which are all really scary things. But apparently your adventurers can handle one lot of each. But two lots of one? Nah, that's too much, mate. Too much. Too many snakes. It's a very board game thing, isn't it? Yeah. Look, I can fight one snake a day, but two? (laughs) Two? No, One spider or one zombie. I'll take over. (laughs) And that's also on Board Game Arena, and that's a lot of fun. And again, you can turn that into a drinking game really easily. Uh, So... you know, uh, just for I'll be fun. honest, it just sounds like you've been getting tanked this week and just <laughs> having, having to play board games at the same time. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a drinking like, game now. I love the idea that me and think she's played all these games. Actually, she was just incredibly pissed just clicking on things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's spiders! It's spiders! <laughs> um, uh, I also played a bit of Overboss again because my flatmate really likes that game. I like it well oh. enough. Um... I think it's just because it's quick. Uh, it takes forever to set up, though, for a game mm. that lasts, you know, like 15, 20 minutes. That is a problem with a lot of games like that, where it's like, if the setup takes longer than how it takes to play, it just doesn't ever feel worth it to get it off the shelf. I wouldn't yeah. say it takes longer than 15 minutes. It's just like, 
you have to separate a lot of stuff from other stuff. Mm. Uh, there's not a huge amount there. It's just like we were we were getting it ready and we were just saying this kind of takes a while to do considering how quick it is to play. Um, but you know it is enjoyable. I like that game. I think my flatmate likes it a lot more. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was fun. Um, although at one point I didn't realise I was cheating, so oh no, <laughs> my professionalism has gone down the toilet. Revoke me of my license, Matt Jarvis. <laughs> I'm out. I'm disgraced. You're out of the Magicians Alliance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we also played some more Pandemic Legacy Season One. Uh, yeah, we still haven't finished it. This might be the longest anyone has ever taken to finish. <laughs> well, it's it's meant to be like a year, right? So if you just play, you play we've been playing for longer yeah, than a year. Like it, <laughs> it's just because it's like every game of it is somewhat different, but at its core, it's basically the same game every time. So it you don't really want to play it like too often because then it gets mm. stale but then when you come back to it after a while you're like oh yeah this is really good because the small changes from each month make it feel different enough that it's not yeah. like tiring and mm-hmm. i think we made it to september so we're not too far behind and we won again so this is our winning streak is continuing um you know, maybe we're just amazing at pandemic. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we should enter in one of those tournaments and then win loads of they're, money. They're a big deal, those. Yeah. yeah, they're really interesting the way they do them as well. We just have identical setups. Mm. Yeah, I played in one of those once. You know, an amateur yeah. one, uh, and we didn't win. <laughs> but I'm not blaming it on me. I'm blaming it on one of my other, you know, teammates. It was their fault, not me. Well. Yeah. I mean, have you seen <laughs> me playing Pandemic Legacy? A pro, basically. I mean, no, I haven't. But you've told me about it. Yeah. That's, what really, that's what marked you out as well as a great teammate is immediately blaming the rest of your teammates. <laughs> no, it couldn't possibly be me. I'm great. I never said it to their faces. I'm just oh, saying well, it now. You just made it public record on a podcast. <laughs> um, and uh, I've also been playing a role-playing game called Low Stakes. Um mm which is really fun so I, I ran a campaign over the weekend for a group of friends um and it's it's in heavily inspired by what we do in the shadows uh the vampire film slash television series um oh i just saw, that's the first time i've seen it written down because you've always just sort of said because i didn't know what it was about but you've said it like low stakes a few times i thought it was kind of like a sort of zen kind of like yeah. it's it's an rpg without all of the troubles but i've just seen stakes written yeah. down i'm like oh okay right low right. stakes not meat <laughs> stakes the other stakes uh because it's a pun on vampire stuff because there are vampires mm-hmm. in it and werewolves and ghosts and you can be like a mystic human as well uh and it's just all about the players live in a house together and they just do like ordinary stuff, but they just happen to be supernatural beings. Mm. And they get into loads of shenanigans and hijinks. Because it's basically the structure is of it is like a sitcom. Like it's designed to be played in scenes. There are lead characters. There's a mechanic where someone can look to the camera like a confessional. <laughs> 
and just start slagging off their friends or themselves. It's really funny. I think um, it's a little bit difficult for for people who maybe are not so experienced with role playing games because it takes a lot more to kind of have the confidence to suddenly just start talking to mm. like a fictional camera. But um, they got into it a lot more uh, as they went, and it was really funny. And it does just encourage. It encourages, like, you know, them trying to get one-ups on one another. Um, but also there is a fundamental emotional core to it. And as someone who's been watching a lot of sitcoms recently, just because they're comforting and mm. uh, you can just have them on the background, like, it was fun to kind of make my own sitcom. Uh, so we had a lot of fun with that. It's really rules light. I think you can get it on drive-through RPG at the moment for like not a lot. Um, yeah, I would recommend it. It's it's good. Have I told you both my fun history fact about steaks? No. <laughs> no. What <laughs> steaks are we talking about here? No. We're talking. We're talking about wooden steaks. Okay. Um, I've got a fun history fact about steaks and some some etymology. Ooh. Oh wow! Is this what happens when you become head of video? You just yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just get all these random facts yeah. just you, inside you, your head. You put on a pair of glasses and you start wearing a suit and smoking a pipe, and you're suddenly <laughs> a professor. <laughs> when Johnny handed over the reins, he he like decompressed, and all of this information just flowed out and into my head. Um, but so right during like you know medieval wars, like especially during the the sort of time period where time period time period where the English longbow was like a really prominent weapon that was used. Um, it was pretty common for archers to have massive wooden stakes like driven into the ground in front of them because it would stop cavalry like charging into them. Um, but you'd get into this problem where like the archers were kind of locked down because you you'd have to physically like move the stakes around to, mm. to actually move and still be protected. So if you found that your bowmen were out of range uh, and couldn't actually hit the um, the opposing army, you would need to get closer, obviously, so that you'd have a better shot, but you'd also have to raise the stakes mm. to get Whoa! rid of your protection. Yeah, so it's, a, it's literally a gamble to take the stakes out of the ground because suddenly you're not protected by them anymore to move closer, put them back in and shoot so you've got better range. So you are literally raising the stakes out of the ground. Oh, mate. Do this, po- this, this podcast has got everything, right? It's, it's so got brands. It's, yeah. got, it's got <laughs> educational purpose. It's got a little, bit, games. a little bit of humour. Just a bit. Oh, just, a, just a cross. That's, that's, that's what we're here for. The brands, then the learning. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's when we can more. learn about brands, that's when, that's mm. when things get real. That's Yeah, that's a real dark <laughs> real place exciting. to go. I think, isn't it like the Hugo Boss website or the Chanel website? One of the fashion houses that just skips like 1938 oh, to 1945. Yeah, no. Hugo Boss was like, they, they create Nazi uniforms. Yeah. Thing. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, boy. It's fun. <laughs> uh, hey, Matt Jarvis, what have you been saying? More history <laughs> Speaking of history, yes. uh, pirates, they're from a while ago, aren't they? they Whoa, um, what? No, I, <laughs> look at that. Matt Oh, professional I really they're still a thing today, yeah. Uh, you oh. just crushed my hopes and dreams because... I've always want. I think we might have had this discussion that I always wanted to be a pirate and have my own ship because then because we watched the Muppets Treasure Island. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to be Tim Curry 
ownership. My favorite part of that entire film. Sorry, Matt. I know you were just about to talk about. <laughs> no, I will never pass up the opportunity to talk about Muppet Treasure Island. It's. Uh, I mean, look. I'm not going to come out swinging or anything. It's my favorite Muppet film. I personally think it's better than Christmas Carol. I know that Christmas Carol is much loved, but I do think it's overall the better film. And my favorite part is where they're like, um, they're singing the song that they sing when they're like, we're off for adventure or whatever. Uh, and there's that bit where um, Long John and Jim Lad are sat in the crow's nest and Jim's doing his bloody, like, I'm a little boy in a in a musical production where it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Singing, and then Tim Curry just like, yeah, right, shut up. Let me tell you how to sing. And we're off for our adventure. It's so good. He puts he just his... absolutely nails him. He should have just grabbed him by the head and slammed <laughs> him for a hoop. He... <laughs> Tim Curry puts his heart and soul into that performance. Mm. He loves just, every minute of it. It's his finest role. It's his finest yeah. role. Yeah. yeah. It's the, an the, incredible film. The bit where he says, it's my only number. <laughs> <laughs> Show me you've been practicing that. <laughs> Right, oh, Matt Jarvis, so tell us about <laughs> Forgotten Water. Uh, in a nautical mood. Yeah, uh, weirdly, I watched some of the old Muppet shows over the weekend on a Muppet-related note, and my favourite thing about all of them is, like Tim Curry, is all of the celebrities they got on, they all really go for it. Like, mm. So we watched the one with Julie, Andrew, uh, Julie Andrews, and it's like, there's no doubting at any point the they are they're giving it their all like you think of celebrities nowadays like if you've got post malone on the muppets or something <laughs> you just feel like he was in pokemon wouldn't... matt and he was in Fortnite or something but that's the thing right it's like that that's not really anything like the real test of celebrity <laughs> how well do you deal with a puppet <laughs> exactly yeah 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 uh yeah it's uh it's very good stuff um but yeah so i've been playing a pirate game Forgotten Waters, which came out last year, mm. um, but I actually bought myself a copy this year because uh, it's been kind of sat on my list of wanting to play it for a while, and it's really, really good. It's I've heard a lot of good things about it. It's fair. really good. Um, so actually, kind of bouncing off of talking about setup times, one of the really nice things here is that it com- it has uh, an element of like above and below and Jaws of the Line, Bloomhaven Jaws of the Line, in that you just have a big old flip book. And those are your locations. Yeah. So you've got a kind of a map board that's about the size of a you know, like small plate. It's not particularly large. And you track your ship moving around there. But when you move to a location on the board, you open to that page. And it has all of the actions you can do. Mm-hmm. And then you just place your pawns, who represent different crew members of the ship, straight on that page. And then you do the stuff. And then it combines with a companion app, or an app that runs in a browser window, which has full voice acting. Yeah! From Christopher Christopher Sabat, uh, famous from being Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z. What? Um, also, the voice of Bulma, whose name I Monica Rial, I think. Um, I hope that's right. Uh, I think our friend Prozy D, uh, who has shown up on this channel, is in there. Oh like it's quite a cast, and mm. they are they are a giving it their all. Speaking of Tim Curry, uh, and B, the writing is really funny. Yeah, it's it's genuinely very funny. There's a bit where, um, so we were playing one of the scenarios and we went to an island and we came across something and the writing was basically like, oh yeah, this seems interesting. There's like carvings and markings of like an ancient uh, civilization, but it's not treasure. So you get bored and walk away. <laughs> and it's got that kind of tongue in cheekness to it. Um, it knows what it's going for. Like the voice acting is genuinely very good. 
Uh, I really want to so play all... this now. Ever since I wrote a news story on it last year, I was like, I really, I really want to play this game. Mm. And then for various reasons, we just couldn't get a copy. Um, and now I, I am invested, so I might also grab myself. Because is it is it a legacy style game? No. So it's it's interesting. It's kind of like so. I believe it's. It's co-designed by a number of people. So I think it's J. Arthur Ellis, Isaac Vega, yeah. maybe Colby Dosh? Dosh? Um, apologies if I'm forgetting anyone there. So there are some big names behind it, like Isaac Vega, obviously co-designer of Dead of Winter. Uh, you know, there are... And it comes from Plaid Hat, who did Dead of Winter. Mm. So it's powered by the Crossroads series. Um, so it, it doesn't have legacy elements as such. So when you play, you're not tearing anything up. It's not multiple connected sessions. But the companion app browser-based thing has different scenarios and within those scenarios there are randomized elements so the crossroads cards which are now built into the app Mm. and your character sheet is a unique kind of it i mean it's literally like a character sheet from an rpg and you uh you get a pad of them and as you play through a session you will gain stats in exploration or swagger which is a stat that you can gain and roll in (laughs) <laughs> and you fill in the boxes with a pen and as you are filling in boxes and also burying treasure you also have a unique star constellation at the top of your map and you fill in elements of that and that progresses your own story and they do a really fun thing so you fold the the character sheet in half like a little booklet and you name your pirate you turn over the page and then it says like okay name a large animal name a heavy object, name a profession. Uh, There's like a little thing like this. And so you fill those in and then you look down and there's like a little bit of blurb, which is your backstory. And you take the words that you've written up top and insert them into the story. Mad libs. (laughs) So, and none of this really has any gameplay effect Mm. other than just adding to the kind of silliness and the story of it. Yeah. Like it's a very story driven game. So I like mine was... I think my pirate was like the seer or something like that. They had some kind of psychic visions. Um, and it said, write a large animal. So I wrote ostrich because uh, <laughs> ostrich is pretty big. I mean, it's not the biggest not animal, not but I wouldn't want to take one in a fight. No, no. Um, no that would definitely it, be on the uh, 10. That's a 10. That's yeah, a 10. Yeah. Not, yeah. So it, <laughs> it then said, name a, name a heavy object. So I wrote piano. Uh, and then I filled those, filled in all the questions and then read the blurb. And it was like, yes. Uh, my mother was also like a psychic, like clairvoyant. Um, she had a vision of an ostrich and a piano, which was then proven true when she was killed by when an ostrich kicked a cart carrying a piano uh, and it like crushed her and stuff like that. So it's like it's willing to be very silly with it. It knows exactly what it's doing, but the writing is genuinely good. So it, mm. it gives it enough of a grounding. But those character sheets, like I say, those are like they're like roll and write it's on a pad so those you discard and you use a fresh one each time you can download them for free i think off their website so there's like a little bit of legacy element in that in that that is like a permanent thing that you then get rid of um but in terms of the game itself you go through the scenarios but a session can be multiple hours long and it has like a way of saving where you've got to in one session Mm -hmm. so you could play it over multiple kind of like half hour or hour long sessions um but each kind of full scenario is a self-contained thing. But it's just, it's a really smart game. 
Like the the gameplay is not super complicated. The emphasis is very much on the flavor. So, like I say, you have these different stats. You go to a location on the board, which is like a hex board, um, and you pick tiles and turn the tiles over. And each tile has a number. You put the number into the app, and the app kind of randomly picks like an event or a place. Uh, and then you flip to it in the book, and then it, it has like a real time element where you start the timer. And the crew, in order of infamy down to least infamous, has to pick what action they're going to do. But you don't look at specifically what they the effect will be. It's like, do you want to work on the ship? Do you want to go exploring? Do you want to hunt? Do you want to... So you have to pick. And if you don't pick quick enough, the crew get discontented. Discontented? The discontent yeah. track goes yeah. up. Um, so there's, a, there's an element of that. But it's also semi-co-op because you're pirates. So you're working together. You don't want the ship to sink or you'll all lose. But you're also aiming to be the pirate with the most... um, Booty! Well, treasure is part of it. It's like... I can't remember if if it's infamy. I think it's called something else. It's like glory or something like that. Mm. Um, But you can, at points, choose to basically do something that is good for you and not for the rest of the crew. (laughs) So I think there's... We got in a fight with a ship, another ship, and we had cannons and you fire the cannons. Uh, by picking the action on the board but under that action it's like okay you can choose to fire the cannons or do this or do that but then it's also like or you can just get infamy and you don't actually fire the cannons at all Um, so you can choose to you're basically wanting to be the most infamous and famous pirate among the crew but you also kind of have to work together so there's like this fun sense of oh yeah, we're pirates out for our own good. Like, you can steal off each other, you can steal treasure, but you also need to work together at points to make sure your whole ship stays afloat. Mm. It's just, it's really good. The gameplay is quite simple because a lot of it's handed, handled by the companion app, but it doesn't mean that it feels, like, it's not simple and boring. It just feels very slick. It's really well um, considered. Mm. So yeah, I'm I'm having a real blast <laughs> of it. It's the short of this. I'm really enjoying it so far. That sounds right. awesome. Uh, yeah, I yes. Yeah, no. Like I said, and the the narration really helps, and it's worth saying they have a remote assistant app as well as the companion app, which allows you to play. If someone has a physical copy, you can use the remote assistant app with other people, and they can play over the internet with you. So you might need to point a webcam at the board. Like you don't have to. You could take pictures. Um, but the remote assistant app handles all of the kind of other trackers and sliders that would normally be like cardboard. Um, so you only really need to show the main map board and then read out the blurbs. It's really, really, cool. really clever. Yeah. Yeah. And the wow. the website's really well implemented as well. Like it's really, it's really slick. It's really, it works really well. So yeah, I'm I'm really really impressed. I mean, that's like it, there, there's a lot of really cool things coming out of Bloodhound right now. Um, and considering they've just said, you know, we're going back to being independent, that's quite. Uh, quite a good sign hopefully yeah yeah you know, we've got a bit of a powerhouse coming on on the way but yeah like, cool yeah i like dead of like i like dead of winter but mm-hmm. i don't love dead of winter i think i love forgotten waters like i need to play more of it but i think this is one of those games that i can see myself going back to again and again mm. and they i think they plan to put out dlc for the app um like there are variants on there for solo and two players which aren't in the box so mm. clearly they're updating it with new content so it's a it's a really good way of getting more of that stuff out to people. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's it's very cool. Awesome. Cool. All right. All right. 
let's move on to news. Yeah. We need, like, speaking of the Muppet, we need the Muppet newscaster. It's like, a plane carrying 10,000 ping pong balls, let's drop them. And then they just drop in from the roof. Except it's, you know, 70 copies of the crew. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Kiodini's house has collapsed uh, Alex Meehan you put together this week's news section and you wrote this story about a yes. new game from Richard Garfield Yes. tell us what is coming up yeah I'm in the chopper uh, for God's sake <laughs> I'm flying over gotta, Richard Garfield's house you're going to keep trying you're going to keep trying until this There's is so a thing so many other metaphors you? You, could, you could try <laughs> I like this one. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Richard Garfield, the, that rogue uh, who made that rapscallion. yeah that rapscallion <laughs> who made Magic the Gathering. Um, it has uh, made a new game called um, Riders of Chaos, which just Riders of Chaos. Yeah, which doesn't sound generic in the least. Nope. Um, <laughs> um, it looks there's not a huge amount of information about the game uh, other than it's going to be an arena strategy game and mounts will be involved you can presumably the riders will have mounts there will be miniatures sounds pretty standard so hopefully more details about the game will actually come out um it's so this game was announced as part of a kind of reveal from a previously called White Wizard Games, now called Wise Wizard Games. So they have rebranded themselves and uh, for reasons related to, according to their COO, uh, that the previous name was a reference to Gandalf, mm-hmm. uh, the white, a uh, white wizard. Uh, but apparently a lot of people weren't getting the reference. So uh, they've changed it in light of that. That's what they've said uh, as a, quote, response to feedback. Um, so there you go. Uh, and they also, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, nobody gets my references either, I don't. <laughs> uh, that, that's their, that was their reasoning they provided, so... Uh, there might be other reasonings that they haven't said, but that's their reasoning. Um, they've also reviewed, uh, revealed some new details on Star Realms Rise of Empire, uh, which was announced, was it earlier this year or last year? I think it was last year. Yeah. I seem to remember it being a while back that they, they kind of briefly mentioned it. Mm, and it's going to be a prequel to Star Realms, which is a game that Loli's likes to play mm-hmm. a lot uh, and it's going to be a legacy style game apparently uh, where eventually you'll end up with your own sort of set of faction decks by the end to presumably use in the, the standard game although they didn't confirm that uh, sounds interesting um, and they also revealed two brand new titles both of them deck builders one of the, again names that floor me um, ro- <laughs> Robot Quest Arena Whoa. <laughs> and Hero Realms 
we got an AI to generate 4K titles, and this is what they came out with. I think Hero Realms has Hero. been out for a little while. No, no, yeah, it's, it's, spe- it's specifically... Yeah, you didn't give me a minute. Hero Content. Realms Dungeon of Fandar. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dungeon of Fan Art. <laughs> I wish. Um, oh, God, there's so many feet in here. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Um, yeah, so... Th- they're both going to be deck builders. One of them, the Robot Quest Arena. Uh, you're going to be piloting battle bots to fight other bots. They should have just got the Robot Wars license, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the Hero Realms one will be uh, like a fairly standard. You're going into a dungeon, you fight monsters and, and stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, there you go. So some new games coming from wise wizard uh no release dates as of yet uh but apparently more information will be coming soon hmm. yeah i mean they've got a pretty solid track record so far i liked sorcerer which they put out a couple yeah. of years ago that was pretty interesting that did some like and star realms obviously lolis are star realms correspondent yeah uh, <laughs> lolis absolutely love star realms mm-hmm. so i'm i'm intrigued it like Richard Garfield is both prolific and often a genius, like has created some of the best games ever. Netrunner, Magic, like King of Tokyo is great for what it is. Mm, yeah. But also is, you know, can go the other way sometimes and just, yeah, you know, lesser, uh, like, lesser memorable like, titles. Like most creators, right? I, I yeah. think he, whenever you create that many games, eventually some of them are like probably going to be duds. Yeah. yeah, we call it yeah. the Knizia effect. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like, Garfield's made some great games that aren't magic. Like you said, King of Tokyo, various other spin-offs related to that. Um, like, yeah, uh, I know we joked about the name. There's not a lot of details available about it, so it's kind of hard to feel enthusiastic when you don't really know. Okay, how mm. does this stand out? Because you're not really selling it to me, Wise Wizard, with a name like that and also... There will be miniatures and characters, and I'm like, yep, this sounds like a, a board game. Yeah, I feel like why Wise Wizard never great with like Star Realms, pretty generic. Hero Realms, pretty generic. Sorcerer, a one word title that's almost impossible to. Yeah, Google. but like the whenever I see artwork for Sorcerer or like that box, because I know we've got a copy in the office, I was instantly like drawn mm. to. It looks cool. Like it looks, it stands out. So. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe if the names aren't doing it for us, hopefully the game will. Um, but yeah, that's what's going on with with Wise Wizard. All right, cool. Uh, so I'm, I'm, on to the... I'm flying away from Richard Garfield's house. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> on request of the police. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next one. Chase wrote this one up. There's a, I think we may have mentioned this a little while back, but it's now on Kickstarter, a Terminator RPG. Um, which has already made over 40 grand uh, dollars. <laughs> <that is>. uh, <laughs> and and doesn't have Arnie. Uh, can confirm. No Arnie. Just, right, moving on. <laughs> just, just robots. Um, is that meant to be the Terminator? Or is that meant to be... That's a news feed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Terminator. I was obviously doing the Terminator. Or it could have been Wii Sports, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> They're easily confused. How uh, dare you, sir? 
but yeah, it's a. So this is from isn't from Nightfall Games, who are known for. I've suddenly just immediately forgotten, despite the fact that it's written here. Oh, a, Slay Industries. Yeah, they did a horror. They're kind of nineties. Yeah, like techno punk. Yeah. Like Scottish cyberpunk kind of RPG, uh, and it's powered by a similar system. So it's got some some pairing behind it. It's not just another D and D five E. Thank God. You know, reskin. Um, it yeah, it sounds interesting. It's going to be like two hundred pages. There's quick start rules out now, I think, because it's powered by the S S three S S five S five S system. Um, One success die and five skill. Bus. Yeah. Yeah. S five S. Yeah, I think you can get some quick start rules for free from Drive Through RPG. Mm-hmm. I believe. Is there a link in the news story, or there's probably uh, a quick yeah, there page. is. There you go. Yeah, free quick start rules. There yeah, is. there you go. Yeah, and that lovely dicebreaker pink. Mm. <laughs> it's interesting. They kind of describe it as being a more of a toolbox approach. So it seems like it's less of a here is a fixed point in the Terminator verse, and more of a. I think the GM is called the director. Uh, looking through that story, so it seems like they're taking the approach of you're in a Terminator film yeah. rather than. You Hopefully, know. not one of the more recent ones. Wondering what the quality Ge- of those. <laughs> I Genesis was better than it had any go. right to be, and yeah, it was still it was go. still bad. I remember liking Genesis, but it's been many years, yeah. and I don't think it was good. I just think it was better than I expected it be. Is that the one with yeah. CGI Arnie in it? It certainly is. Yes, yeah, there he is, uh, and oh, Amelia Clark. Yeah, and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, believe you not, Arnold Schwarzenegger does not have the power to just regenerate. His old selves to turn him into a somehow. young man. So somehow. yeah, somehow. So they had to do a, a completely CGI Arnie, who I don't mm. think he talks in the film. No, I don't think he does. I think yeah. he just turns up naked in a bubble. Yeah, like, that's what you want, really. <laughs> like it? in the original Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody had to make CGI Arnie's butt. Yeah. Uh, somebody worked on that. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I I tip my hat to that person. You're doing the Lord's I re- work. I reckon there was a raffle. <laughs> Uh, you can, uh, I believe in the RPG, you can play as like time travelers who can go back in oh, time to right. try and prevent like the event because the, the RPG I think is set in like the future where Skynet has finally taken over and humans are, you know, on the rocks. Uh, but apparently you can just play as time travelers well, and go back in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I Serve mean, advice, the... yeah, and you have to, you have to <laughs> make sure that uh, Sarah Connors and that guy have a baby. Hmm. That I guy. feel like Terminator is a good, uh, it's a good premise for an RPG because it opens up something like Blades in the Dark's um, like flashback system, yeah. like the idea that you have multiple timelines yeah. and this kind of, there's a very clear objective a lot of the time in the Terminator films, which is kind of run away from robot or get squished by robot. Yeah, uh, and I really think so, the director is the best role because they can play as a robot who can turn into a puddle and just sort of <laughs> slip, slip and slide about. I almost thought you were going to make a real point there, me, and I, I got hook, line, and sink it in. <laughs> That's where you made your mistake, my yeah. friend. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I say, it's it's already on Kickstarter. It goes to April the 5th. Um, it's made a lot of money, so it's already passed its funding goal. You can go and check out the quick start rules if you want to give it a play before you put any money towards it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to fly away now because this Terminator is threatening me. So, well, you need to fly back because this next story is also yours. 
Oh, no. well, back to the Terminator. Involves, <laughs> and it also, it also involves Richard Garfield. Oh, no. So here you are. He's so mad. I can't go back <laughs> He's throwing there. rocks out the garden. <laughs> He's throwing rocks. I don't know who's worse, him or the Terminators. Um, He's like Gambit with Magic the Gathering cards, just whizzing <laughs> them up at the blades. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Um, yeah, Keyforge, which, is, which was created by Richard Garfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like it. We're, we're fans. Um, a good game. Yeah, although I've not played it in a while. I would like to. Um, I think this, hopefully, will give me an excuse to. Yeah, it's getting a free co-op mode. Um, called Keyforge Adventures, which is a nice, generic title. Uh, there, <laughs> there will be two episodes included in this first release, uh, based off their upcoming, or pretty much due to come out very soon dark tidings expansion which is all about like fishes and stuff i, I believe <laughs> um <laughs> so uh, nothing but fish nothing but fish um so in this mode of the game you can use whatever decks you like um at together working together and the first adventure uh, in- includes a key raccoon you get what they did there, Key Racken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, that was. I mean, it's almost like they put some effort in. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a big old monster that you have to fight together um, by just attacking it and stopping it from getting Ember, things like that. And then there's there's going to be another episode where you kind of follow this uh, mysterious cult behind summoning this Key Racken. Uh, and you, there seems to be a, an interesting mechanic where you have to spend Ember to travel between different locations hmm. on a map, uh, that uh, like a series of cards that you print out, um, and then you sort of encounter whatever's there. So it seems like they're doing some interesting things with the the sort of structure of the game, um, playing around with that. Sounds I... almost a bit like Arkham Horror, the card game. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like Arkham I... Horror, the card game. Yeah. I key reckon this is a good idea oh. because, <laughs> um, yeah, Fantasy Flight have now got they've got Arkham, they've got um, the Marvel one, Marvel Champions, Marvel yeah, Champions. That's the one. Another generic name. Yeah. Um, it's. <laughs> I think they've got like a long history now of making these kind of like yeah, you know, playing against a deck together. Um, and I really love the idea of just having another reason to use your decks. There's also, I think, a good fix for, like, if you've got, like, a Keyforge deck that you're not really that keen on, Yeah, it's kind of like, well, it's, you know, it's useless, right? Yeah. Keen. Keen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but, now, but now it's like a challenge mode if you're playing a deck that you don't think works very well. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. And the, it's entirely free uh, to, to print yeah, and play. Uh, and the first adventure will be available in April the end of April, and the next one will be available in May. So you'll be able to download those from the Panties Flight Games website. Uh, so, yeah. Get, get on that. Mm, yeah, definitely one of the better trends of the last year has been publishers putting out solo variants, and just generally variants for games that, in an age where it feels like a lot of games could Kickstarter and it's like, oh, you need to pledge this amount to get this expansion that adds this mm. set of rules. And so sometimes, not all of them, but let's say an amount of games feel like you should just include that in the box to begin with. Mm. 
-hmm. it's nice to see a lot of publishers just being like yeah have it for free like here's a way to enjoy the game you already own in a new way with fewer people or by yourself particularly during a time yeah and it's smart right because Mm. it's like hey you've bought this game you can't play it but here's like a variant that you can use which you know you can grab for free and then you know you're still getting something out of that product you bought and you're still falling in love with it kind of thing yeah Yeah. um which uh, yeah it's it's smart and it's nice which yes it's good. Yeah. <laughs> More yeah. of this. The, the perfect partner, smart and nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, all right. Let's move on to this next one. Uh, this is kind of a Fancy Flight adjacent, actually. There's kind of a thread running through this uh, because Fancy Flight is owned by Asmodi, uh, known for owning most board game companies that aren't owned by Hasbro. Um, so Asmodi, the owner of Fancy Flight, which makes X-Wing, Keyforge, Arkham Horror, Twilight Imperium, owns Days of Wonder, which makes Ticket to Ride... Um, not Carcassonne. Carcassonne's the other one. Zed Man. Uh, Zed Man is Carcassonne and Pandemic. What's the other days of what? Oh, Memoir Forty Four. Yeah. Um, yeah. Space Cowboys. So <laughs> Unlock and Splendor. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, so as owns a lot of studios, he and does. lo and behold, it now owns even more studios. It's absorbed more into its mass. Because it has acquired Plan B Games and the Plan B Games Group. So Plan B is probably best known for being the publisher of Azul, which is a game we like very much. Um, they also the other Azul sequels, uh, so Stained Glass of Sintra mm-hmm. and Summer, Summer Pavilion. Pavilion yeah. uh, although I think they're now under Next Move. Because they moved out of Plan B, but Plan B also did Century Spice Road, that trilogy. Um, they also include Pretzel Games, which did Junk Art. Pretzel Games, are great. <gasps> and Flick 'em Up. Uh, pretzel Games and uh, Men at Work. Oh, yeah, pretzel all games are wooden really components. Yeah, yeah, a lot of wood. Um, but then they also have cheaper plastic variants that you can also get. I really like Pretzel Games. I'm yeah. a fan of the stuff they do. They're good. And um, I like pretzels, and... so... <laughs> <laughs> we're all, we're all winners here. <laughs> Back to you in the studio, man. <laughs> yeah, think... in the job for eating a pretzel. Uh, Plan B have also had like a really good run. Like Century is fantastic. Like Azul's yeah. really good. Uh, Reef I haven't really played, but I think people like it. Well. Didn't, they do, <laughs> didn't they do Great Western Trail as well? No, so... But related to this, Eggertspiel, which I believe... Public, so I don't know if they're the original publisher of Great Western Trail because I think Great Western Trail may have been pub- it gets very messy with publishers yeah, and I mean, games in different territories why are you so confusing yeah <laughs> different games. cut it out different territories in, in different publishers in different territories but I believe Eggertspiel which is part of the Plan B Games group um, published Great Western Trail in a territory somewhere um, but I believe it's not the only publisher okay so the, the short of this is that Asmodi now owns all of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is in some ways strange because Plan B span out of uh, F2Z Entertainment, um, which is the former home of Zedman, which was founded, I believe, by Sophie Gravel, who then founded Plan B. And F2Z is owned by Asmodi already. So oh Plan B kind of... I Take this with a pinch of salt. I may be getting this wrong because I'm doing it off the top of my head. But I think... Asmodi acquired F2Z, which included Zedman, um, which was formerly founded by Sophie Gravel. She went off and started Plan B as an independent studio uh, several years ago, five, six years ago, something like that. And now the studio that she founded is being bought by Asmodi yeah, anyway. They're being reabsorbed. So, <laughs> the so the Plan B There's no well. escape. <laughs> There's no escape from the 
the kind of black hole of Asmodee. Um, uh, Horrible Guild, uh, formerly Horrible Games, actually put out they put out the first page of Asterix. Um, you know where there's the Roman Empire closing in around the small village. I think where Asterix and Obelisk live. Uh, and they put their own logo on the tiny village, and it was Modi on the Roman banner, and it was Whoa! just this kind of throwing shade. Oh my gosh! Goodness uh, me, there's gossip and um, you know, uh, hot, you know, hot shade. Mm. Show, showing some of that patented board game professionalism. <laughs> <laughs> so it's worth saying this follows a very. I mean, as many acquisitions at this point are almost on a monthly basis. You pick a month, there's probably been an an Asmodi acquisition during it uh, because they recently picked up Board Game Arena Mm. um, last month, I think, or the month before. Um, So again, just just kind of sucking them all in. Just name a studio and it's probably owned by Asmodi. Yeah, Uh, I mean... Matt, I'm going to have to power up the chopper. I'm being sucked. Oh, goodness. I'm being sucked in. <laughs> Mind your hair and the blades. <laughs> no, it's Modi. It's Modi or something weird. Do you get it? But helicopters are dangerous too. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I it's have a, a real complicated metaphor, right? <laughs> I have a real rational fear of helicopters. They terrify me. But um, really, yeah, because they are so deadly. It's just a massive spinning fan. Like, yeah. And I, as a as a quite tall person. Uh, the idea of you're right the problem with helicopters is that you ride on the side of them and your head can just go straight into the blade it's walking towards them it's not the you know Matt this is going to terrify you but you know cars literally are powered by explosions like this (laughs) yeah but I'm not you know I'm not dangling out of a I'm not putting my face next to the the spinny bit once again not how helicopters work Uh, anyway, Matt, shall we do this last news story? <laughs> I mean, we could. Or I can. Look, I need to do this PSA on helicopter safety. Um, yes. So, speaking of blades, is that Wolverine? Speaking, I speaking see? of things shaped oh! like an X. Oh, come on. <laughs> Actually, don't they have a shape like an X? Don't they have a chopper? Probably. A... They have a flying. Oh no, they thing. have a plane. Yeah, they have they the have X. A plane. They have a, yeah. a plane of some sort. Hmm. All right, uh, yeah, Alex Mean, you wrote this one. I thought you were going to burst into it, but I'm going to set you up here. Yeah, right well, now. you two wanted to do your puns. You wanted to do <laughs> Listen, your, your my segue. segue was fantastic and would have carried us right in there. So I'm not claiming any responsibility for this part of the podcast. <laughs> oh, Alex Mean, I'm receiving a psychic vision, much like Charles Xavier, <laughs> Professor X. There's a story about a new X Men game. <laughs> well, Matt. Uh, me and please read out this story before we all go Jean Grey in the hair <laughs> <laughs> oh god um, yeah there's a new X-Men game board game um, f- uh, called Marvel United colon X-Men is it a football game? no uh, <laughs> don't get excited um, I mean that might have been interesting to be fair <laughs> That's how we should preface every news story. Don't get Don't excited. Don't get excited. <laughs> Here um, comes the headline. <laughs> no, it's part of a series called Marvel United that began last year with the release of Marvel United, believe it or not, uh, which is a co-op game from Simon. We're going back to that Come again. on. Come, Come on, Simon. Come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, 
when we when we get our um when we get our soundboard we're definitely having a come on <laughs> I'm not having a Simon button. No, we just have that. We have the button from those school keyboards that everyone had in the music department. Come on, little... come on! Yeah, yeah. We're d- 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 dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So yeah, last year there was a card game uh, based on the Marvel comics, uh, which people seem to like. I've not played it, um, but it had like Iron Man and. And the Hulk and things like that. Um, and so, the uh, there is a trailer for uh, Marvel United X Men, uh, which contains very little details other than the fact that there will be Professor X, Wolverine, Cyclops, Storm, and Magneto uh, featured in this game. Uh, there were the little miniatures. I'm not a fan of that art style. Yeah, it's like chibi-ish, right? Uh, yeah. I my least favorite thing about it is the Professor Xavier now looks like Boss Baby. He <laughs> does look like Boss Baby in it. Um, I find it quite off-putting and weird, but um, yeah. I, I, again, we don't know what you do in the game, how you use the characters, but presumably my hunch will be. It's basically Marvel United with X Men. Maybe there'll be a few differences in mechanics, but um, there it will be coming to Kickstarter soon. Uh, the Kickstarter for Marvel United did pretty damn well from my remembering, so I'm sure it will do fine this time. And you What's, know, um, sorry, carry on. Uh, well, Marvel United was co-designed by Eric Lang, so yeah. Uh, so this is this is kind of the the thing that I want to point out. What's wild? What's absolutely wild? I sent this tweet to you, Matt. Um, Eric Lang quoted on March 11th on his on his own Twitter account says Marvel United is one of my proudest achievements at Simon. Um, the franchise truly accomplishes the vision of what a lifestyle gateway game could be: broad market appeal, surface simplicity with surprising and delightful depth. Hmm. So proud. Yeah. Uh, and I that is not a quote that I would think would be attributed to a game with little chibi boys in it. Mm. So, but I think pe- I people do like it. Yeah, like, yeah. I've, I've also I've not played it. it so yeah, we've not played the, it. So the reception can't. has been positive. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean it sounds. Yeah, it's time to go. The thing is, the mechanic behind it sounds kind of interesting because you have a hand of cards, and you you have to choose. You basically have to choose what card you're going to play. Uh, but people play their turns like you play one card and the next person has to play their card after you and basically your action the one you play after the the, the person before you affects sorry the one you play before the person next to you affects like what they're going to be able to do so there's a kind of element to okay uh, I want to help this person do this thing on their turn so I'm going to play this card but I've got to make sure my turn, I can do something to kind of help the situation as well, because you're working against like a, a rising threat meter and uh, the the boss you face up against can do things on their turn to kind of mess with you, put like hench people out on the board. So there are locations that you can travel to. And then the, your deck basically allows you to, you know, attack those hench people or save civilians or, like use your special abilities depending on what character you're playing as so like it does sound interesting we've not played it um but you know like 
the, the Marvel thing obviously is an easy sell because Marvel is really hot right now and X-Men are being basically absorbed into Marvel now as far as I know. Obviously they were part of them in the comics but uh, when it comes to the films too I believe. Which apparently the only thing that matters anymore. <laughs> yeah um, but you know I, I, my one hope is that it's not just the same game with X-Men characters because I feel like you could have done that as an expansion I feel mm. like releasing it as a fully-fledged new game, unless you're doing something unique with that, I feel like you don't have... I feel like it's very cheeky to release it as a completely new game and put it on Kickstarter if it's not going to be unique enough to kind of justify its existence. Uh, I suppose if there will be people that are mainly interested in X-Men, right? It's like, yeah. at this point, the X-Men yeah, almost you... exists separately to Marvel. So if you've not picked it up yet, I think, yeah, you're right. Like, there's an element of, like, if you own that base game already, could you just pick up these characters as, yeah, like, little expansions yeah, or packs? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised but... if they if, if it is compatible with the original Marvel United, seen as part of the same series, and if it Again, if it is a very similar game, it would make sense to make them compatible. But I don't know. I guess maybe I'm just old and cynical. Like, the <laughs> thing is that that recent X-Men game, the one that Fantasy Flight put out, um, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it was reviewed on the site. Um, yeah, I also can't remember now. Yeah, I edited that review. Something. Uh, X-Men th- colon something. Oh, um, X-Men colon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the sound of that, I was, I was really on board, and our reviewer seemed to really like that game. Um, yeah, mutant, mutant, mutant insurrection, insurrection is what. Yeah, Sam, Sam reviewed it, and she seemed to have a really good time with it. So. Um, yeah, and it's, I think it's kind of based off Elder Sign, which I really like as well. So, yeah, it's not. Oh, so that that's got the same vibe as how Marvel Champions is basically like. Uh... Arkham Horror, but mm. fans well, it's yeah, it's yeah, I guess so. But apparently, it's different enough according to the review that it's not just Elder Sign with X Men yeah. characters, they've it's actually skin, yeah. done something with that. And if like this is going to be the case with this new X Men game, then I'm all on board. But I guess I'm just tired of seeing games that are very similar to one another coming out in the space of a very short time. Uh, and I'm yeah. just like. It does feel like from from some of the big publishers like Fantasy Flight, like Simon or whatever. There's there does seem to be like a sort of bread and butter that they go for. Yeah. And then it it almost feels like a lot of them have been falling into patterns a bit. But I don't know. I I'd even say like obviously Fantasy Flight makes a lot of its money off its its properties that it's got its licenses. But I'd say even then, I feel like recently they've been sort of maybe going down a path. Uh, away from some of those, particularly with the way it's been, you know, pushing off the Star Wars miniatures, for example, onto uh, Chaos Thingy Thing. Atomic Mass. Comic Mass. Chaos Thingy Thing. Thingy Thing. <laughs> uh, look, I can't remember every publisher name, Wills. Uh, there's a lot going well, on in here. Apparently there's 400 different names for each of them anyway. So. <laughs> um, I don't know, I kind of feel like Fantasy Flight I might just be wrong, but I feel like they they might be drifting towards a direction of maybe because they said with we we're, we're kind of done with milking existing games for expansions, you know, so much, 
and I'm hoping that means that they're they're going to be releasing some more, you know, standalone IP stuff or you know even mm. stuff like Keyforge, like you know obviously Key... ideas. yeah Keyforge is getting you know new expansions and stuff, but that makes sense because it's a deck game. It's meant to that's kind of what it's built for. But yeah, like Keyforge was something new. I'm kind of hoping they continue down that path. Whereas I feel like Simon at the moment with with this and with Zombie Side Dead or Undead or Alive, wasn't it? It's just another Zombie Side game, but it's in the Wild West. And I'm like Yeah. They make a lot do, of money though. They do make yeah, a lot of money. Thing, that's it? the thing. It's like I do I do understand why they do it cuz like I mean every time they shovel one of those kickstarters live they yeah get themselves but then a nice, they nice big chunk of cash mm. so it's like you know but then they release games like Cthulhu Death May Die and like even though obviously it's Cthulhu so that's a that's a good seller from what I've heard about that game it's kind of very unusual and stands out in in the genre like for mm. for what it does and that was Eric Lang too yeah I I will say that like in their defense um from what Simon t- tend to do with their Kickstarter campaigns, they will kind of use those big name tick items to to kind of prop up some of the smaller, like, yeah, fair more enough. experimental titles, and they'll have them in the same kind of like um, batch of games that are coming out. So it, it it does seem like they're at least putting their resources to good use and, and like trying out some some new ideas yeah. with it as well. But I, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I guess we'll see. I think it we're seeing it all over the place, right? It's like cinemas in a similar place where it's a lot of sequels a lot of reboots and i think it's because and you especially see it with big ball games that have a lot of miniatures because they are an investment and so you need to know that you're getting the biggest audience you possibly can and the easiest yeah. way to do that is by going here yeah. are small plastic figures of people that you already like <laughs> yeah rather than trying to get them to invest in yet another new universe you know to build that from the ground up is really hard but to take something that is already popular and put it on top of you know, sometimes the gameplay can be great. Like Eric Lang yeah. does some fantastic licensed game, like the Godfather board game, Corleone's Empire, I want to mm-hmm. say. I like honestly, I think it's vastly underrated, and I think part of that is because people saw a Godfather game yeah. and were just like, eh. But actually well, it's, it's a really like, good design. Like it's a fantastic yeah, game. I've got the same thing with um Star Wars Rebellion where it's like it's actually just a fantastic game. Like I don't really care about the Star Wars rapper because I'm not really yeah. into Star Wars anyway. Yeah. It's just a fantastic I'm, game. I'm not against licensing in general, like at all. Like I as long as the game is like good, I don't really care if it's if it's using a license. I just feel like if you're gonna release, you know, a game like this in the same series, you know, feels like put it on kickstarter like a year after the last game came out um i don't know it kind of doesn't like i'm not thrilled by that i mean it might just be because mm. the teaser basically reveals next to nothing about it so yeah, yeah. i think that is the thing right it's like it sells itself on the fact it's x-men like, yeah that's yeah. what that that's what that teaser does is like it's yeah. x-men here you go so in some ways it's not for us and like you know those are perfectly valid games to play, but I think we're seeing more of that stuff on the tabletop RPG side like, where people are willing to be experimental because the, the buy-in is so much smaller where mm-hmm. you can pay five or 10 quid or 15 quid for an indie RPG mm. and like yeah. more people are willing to take that risk. Whereas with a 50, 60, 70, 100 pound ball game, you know, they need to know that they're, they're going to like part of it, even if it's just, yeah. here's a load well, of like, minis. You know, you, you can release an indie TTRPG without ever printing anything, you know, like mm. it's 
it's it gives you a lot more sort of like a lot less risk rather yeah, yeah. it would be good to see more original ip for sure like, yeah i mean like marvel i played marvel champions i'm not a huge marvel fan but that game is genuinely really good hmm. like i mm-hmm. really like that game i think it's great and the marvel stuff is fine like um yeah i guess Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> and that's the dicebreaker bottom line uh all right let's move on to emails Email. Uh, we've run over a little bit. If you've got an email for the show, you can email podcast at dicebreaker.com. You can find us on Twitter at joindicebreaker. You can find us on the website at dicebreaker.com or you can head over to YouTube, youtube.com slash dicebreaker. Uh, Wills, would you like to read this one from Savannah, please? What a lovely name. Yeah, of course. Um, I recently played Exploding Kittens with my brother, niece, and nephew. I can see why you all dislike it, because there's really nothing special about the mechanics, <laughs> only the card design. All of my enjoyment came from seeing my family having fun with the ridiculous concept, so it wasn't a total loss. Even so, this got me wondering if any of you have had similar experiences playing a terrible or even just meh game, but still enjoying it thanks to one specific part of it, or the people who you were playing with. Also, keeping all of this in mind, I was super surprised to hear Exploding Kittens was actually Oh my god. The number one most backed Kickstarter project of all time. I think that may have changed now with Gloomhaven. Yeah, uh... Exploding Kittens may have more people, but I think Gloomhaven is now number one in terms of money raised. It costs ten times the price. Frosthaven. Well, yeah. I mean, to be be fair, it's kind of it's a different metric, right? But Mm. but, whatever. Okay. It's a lot of people, I feel. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. But it's the oatmeal, isn't it? Which was like a massive Mm. comic. Mm. Um, online anyway this made me wonder what everyone uh who backed it thought of the finished project and in turn if there are any games that you at dicebreaker were really excited with which turned out to be a bit flat can you think of any board games that over promised and under delivered okay so it's kind of two yeah two questions here yeah um so the first one being uh have you ever had experiences playing a terrible or mad game but still enjoying it thanks to one specific part or the people you were playing with hmm that's Good question. I mean, I feel, question. yeah, I've had a lot of experiences where I've had, I've played a game that I'm not that into, but I like my friends, so it's fine, you know. But um, I don't know about like one part of it. Like, I guess there's um, there are some games I've played where like it was really naff, but at least the art was really pretty, or, or like something like that, you know, where it's like you get at least one bit of enjoyment out of it. Yeah, um, I can't remember exactly what those were though. There was definitely <laughs> that one when me and me and Johnny had just started the channel. Uh, we got this. I think it was a Kickstarter game. It was like really snazzily designed. It had like a sort of forge of the like God's Forge or something like that. Maybe God's Forge. Oh, mm, I think there was like a Dwarf's Forge or something, but I I can't remember. I think it was um, God's Forge, um, which was very pretty, but God, it's very boring. <laughs> <laughs> I think on a similar note, speaking yeah, of God's it, forge. Eric Lang. Um, Bruno Feidutti and Eric Lang made a game a few years ago now called Secrets, which on paper ticked all the right boxes. Like two oh, great designers. It was like 1960s yeah. spy stuff. It had a great art style. It had weighty kind of poker chips. Mm-hmm. And it was, like you say, a social deduction game where you are CIAs or I think like they straight up call them hippies or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed really interesting because the idea of it was I that you I'd didn't necessarily know... Way. 
yeah you what change allegiances all the time role you were yeah. yeah so you had to try and look at your own card and then they'd get swapped around kind of like masquerade i think which was bruno Fiduti as well wasn't it yeah yeah um and again on paper seemed really great and had a really great look to it it came in a nice box like the rules seemed simple but playing it it was just completely just did nothing for us just mm. it, like we got through it and it, it's not the worst game i've ever played like far from it you can kind of see where you know where those moments are meant to come about but they just never did for us yeah, I I think um, there's a couple of hidden role games that use that kind of mechanic where it's like switching allegiances and stuff. Uh, and I, I, to be fair, I saw a lot of like positive reception to Secrets, but I've not tried it myself. Mm. And it was on my to buy list, but if you really didn't gel with it, then maybe. Uh, I mean, to be fair, that's on a very old to buy list, <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, maybe I just won't won't bother with it. I don't know. Mm. I've, also, I feel like I've played a lot of those now. I'm also just kind of bored of hidden role games, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think they they need to go above and beyond to be more than yeah yeah more than yeah. werewolf, basically. Yeah, mm. um, we don't need more werewolf games, please. Uh, please stop. Please stop. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, I don't know. Uh, there's been like obviously quite a few games I've played that have been like eh, like um, like Subterra, like mm. that was disappointing because I was really into like the way it looked and you know i really like horror as a theme so it kind of presented itself as like a survival horror underground mm. experience but it was nothing like that it was very like by the numbers and i was like well this is disappointing um for what it is um i mean like talisman like i played i think it was the warhammer version or something of talisman Oh, uh, Relic, is it? Maybe. Well, that's, yeah, 40k. I think original Talisman is maybe Warhammer Fantasy, but... Well, I, I think it was it was made by Games Workshop before they really did. Yeah. It was like, but, one of their first titles. But, yeah. So I, I guess it's it's technically Warhammer, yeah. but not really. But me, and I'm so glad that you also don't like Talisman. I hate Talisman. Talisman. I hate it. I hate it so bad. Talisman it's is... It's a terrible game. It's a 40-hour game of Snakes and Ladders. Yeah, it's dice. awful. Like, it's... It is quite a thing and like there's like an app version which is all mm. right if you're just sitting on a train you know but like above that yeah it was mind. it was so long and i was so bored and i remember just sitting there and just eating i think i ate an entire bag of percy pigs <laughs> um, well look there's there's your that was no to the the thing is <laughs> i had fun with the, with my friends who i was playing with and i actually won the damn thing but i didn't really care because i was like i'm so you know bored and tired just, after all this that it doesn't really feel like mm. i've achieved much well because you you don't really have any control over yeah, what you do in the not game really. You, really um yeah i played that uh and that was rubbish um yeah games <laughs> rubbish rubbish uh games that we've looked forward to and have been disappointed by let me tell you whilst you're thinking me in, okay about a little game <laughs> called vast oh my <laughs> god that's a fine pick yeah i've never seen alex lily so angry in my life like, <laughs> to play that, doing that play test like it was because those let me tell you those skeletons 
There's some, <laughs> you were very there's some excited about the skeleton. Cole Ferrin, as always, <laughs> knocking it out of the park with his art style. And oh my god, that game is so dull. Um, and I feel really bad for like just ripping on it right. all the time. But so, god, I hated it so much. Yeah, <laughs> so it is kind of coming an in-joke with us that we riff on Vast a lot. And the thing is... Um, uh, it's very odd because I think the general community are, are a relatively positive view of Vast the Mysterious Manor and Vast the Crystal Caverns, I think the one before. And they were both made by the uh, basically the founder of later games. Um, mm. So obviously a lot of people uh, relate later games with like uh, Cole Burley and, you know, games, yeah, like Root, uh, which is just so good and obviously Kyle Ferrin does the art for Root and Vast so you're like oh th- how could this go wrong it's a later game yeah. with Kyle Ferrin art it's another asymmetric game yeah it's, it's another asymmetric game you know, yeah. uh, and then you play it and the thing is about asymmetric games is they can be so good if you can do them well because it just provides an experience that has amazing replayability and like it just fascinates you how how much depth you can go into with a game like that uh, but when it done when it's done badly it just provides such a te- like a terrible experience in the sense of like vast my opinion on vast like i said in my review it's not really changed uh it's so ambitious and that's what makes it so sad that it just like fails to draw you in, to keep you engaged because you spend so much time trying to work out what the hell you're supposed to be doing uh, because it just takes that asymmetric element and then it like blows it out massively with with everything so that you're sat there and you're looking at what someone else is doing and you're like, I have no idea what they're doing, what their goal is, what I'm supposed to do to stop them. Uh, it's a such an interesting concept and I think that's what makes it so disappointing that it just doesn't work at all. Mm. Also, the, yeah. the spiders would lose their legs sometimes, and that was disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I remember finding spider legs. On <laughs> <laughs> spider legs on the floor of the office. Yeah. yeah, I think it didn't click with any of us, did it? And no. we, we played it so many times because you were reviewing it, so we, we did sit and play it I'm so in sorry. different you know, combinations due, yeah. like I've, a dozen I've, different times. I played that game about five times at least, I think. With, with multiple different people and nobody likes it. Which is it. no small feat as well, considering <laughs> it's, a, it's a hefty game. Yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah, sad times. Hmm. I think, actually, both of these can, can combine in one for me, uh, which is the Dark Souls board game. Which <laughs> oh, we talked about this recently, didn't we, Mars? It's a It's a classic <laughs> Kickstarter that, you know, has pretty miniatures. Like, it, wanted, it was based on a big, big-name IP. Um, and it just... The promising thing in it is that the bosses are really fun. The boss, like the boss deck, is a really great uh, mechanic. Like it makes them feel like the video game bosses because they change behavior and they have kind of set patterns that you can learn. And that bit nails the feeling of Dark Souls, the video games. But everything else is so unbearable because <laughs> it, like. I'm, okay, I'm going to get into one here. We're already running long, <laughs> well, but like, I can't let this go this, by. Right. This is going to be one Sit of your our down. So, bonus, bonus episodes. So the thing with Dark Souls, the video games, is you learn by repetition, right? It's like you walk forward, a skeleton jumps out from behind a corner, whacks you on the head with a sword, you die. You respawn at the bonfire, you go forward, you know that skeleton's going to be there, 
So you approach slowly and it's it's like learning an old video game where you learn all the different patterns and you learn where things are going to be. Dark Souls the board game basically randomizes all of that. It randomizes the equipment that you get. Like you have to save up loads of souls to potentially get equipment that you can't even equip because you don't have the right stats yet. So you just have to grind and grind and grind. And that and then eventually you get to a boss like four hours later and the boss <laughs> is like the highlight of it. And so... Because you yeah, spent that whole just... time just fighting four skeleton dudes. Well, you just basically throw yourself at a wall because uh, the combat is partly dice driven, I think. It's been several years since I played it because I reviewed it and then never wanted to play it again. Um, <laughs> but the like the combat stuff is interesting because there's all this stuff to do with positioning. You can move around the little nodes on the board. Mm. Um and that, that comes into the bosses again. Like the bosses are the highlight because you need to position yourself. They've got decks that you can learn the patterns. So that's where that feeling of repetition and learning comes in and actually works really well. But when you're trying to just build up the equipment and the souls that you need, it's so draining to just throw yourself at room after room of enemy. Like not be able to change much because you're kind of, it's based on luck to some degree. And then even when you do get the souls from defeating things, you go back, cash them in for loot. The loot's drawn from a random deck of cards, so you can just get stuff that's not useful at all. Um, So yeah, I really, I really was really disappointed with Dark Souls. But the fact is there's there's a good idea buried in there, and that's those boss Mm. decks. And I think that's what they've been saying. They're spinning out into Monster Hunter that's coming up. I think some of that found its way into Bardsung, although I didn't play Bardsung, um, which you all seem to like. We did play Bard Song on the channel. It had like a similar vibe, I think. Um, but that was like, I think that was that was more designed to be procedural rather than yeah. like retrofitting a game into procedural engines. It's like Steamforge can make good games, like, and they can make good licensed games. Yeah. The Resident Evil Two board game, for what it's worth, of, is surprisingly yeah. good and works with that, you know, that video game premise. But mm-hmm. the Dark Souls board game just didn't click at all. It's way too long. It's boring. It's luck driven. It was. It was really disappointing. Um, yeah, and I think there's a there's a good game to be made of Dark Souls, but that ain't it. Bloodborne. Make a Bloodborne board game and get the, rid of the boring stuff. There is one, isn't there? Is yeah, there is from, come on, game. and there's a card game. The card game's good. Hmm. Uh, I haven't played the board game, but I think people like it. Uh, yes. All right. Thank you for your question, Savannah. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> for your extra To go off on answer. one. Uh, Alex, me and would you like to read this one from Barry, please? Uh, yes, I will. Barry! That is, that is Apex Penguin to you, sir. Yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, Barry slash Apex Penguin says, Have you had a game that, despite your best efforts, you can't get everything back into the box it came out of? Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. This is a Vast. Real... I'm pretty sure Vast had that <laughs> issue as well. Yeah, I think you're right. This is a real pet peeve, is when they design boxes to have the perfectly flat-packed... Um, mm. They call them the things with all the cardboard tokens in. Oh, my the, mind's gone uh, blank. Like sheets of stuff. Yeah, but they do have a name. Punch boards. Oh, punch boards. The punch boards stacked up, um, and then you pop everything out, and there's no way of sorting them. There's no way of keeping them neat and making it easy. And then sometimes stuff just doesn't fit in, and it's terrible. I so like before I worked here, I, I did some tabletop streams in my previous job, and we did an Arkham Horror stream. <laughs> the you know the goddamn the. The trough, the, <laughs> the fantasy worries. flight trough, yeah, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the fantasy flight trough, where it's just like it's a square box, and they've shoved a cardboard divider that basically just like 
cuts the space <laughs> in that box to a third for some reason. And then they sometimes, and this is the worst thing. Sometimes they shove stuff underneath, oh, underneath the inlay. And I was like playing, I think we were playing like Outer Rim or something. And I was like, where are the rest of the components? Yeah. I had to disassemble the box <laughs> to find them. But yeah, like that, that box is just either it doesn't all fit in and the, the lid is just like teetering <laughs> on the edge. Or you have to cram it in so hard that when you pull it out, it's just impossible to sort anymore. I think... Oh, God. Matt, didn't we have that with Marvel Champions as well? Didn't we have a situation where, like, there were just massive... uh, Like, I think there were just massive parts of it that were just... So they had the thing where, obviously, it's designed to, to hold the hero packs that you're going to potentially buy in the future... Uh, so I guess we had the opposite problem to you, Wills, where there were just big parts of the inlay that were just entirely empty. So we just used them to like hold the, the random tokens that were sort of flopping about. So mm. there wasn't really a place to put the tokens, but there were loads of places to put more cards that didn't exist in the <laughs> box yet. So you just had the cards all neatly stacked, this massive empty space where we just dunked all the the, the, mm. the, the tokens because I don't think they provided a bag to put them in not from my memory so yeah, yeah. fancy flight do have a track record of of messing well, like that up record um, I, oh god there's also um what's the uh um it's, it's called like mario nostrum or something like that but you, you that that's relevant actually ignore that because a lot of games do this you know the the classic like here's like a plastic um like vacuum hmm. made inlay where all of the things fit in but then also like i think one thing that board game publishers don't seem to understand is that like 90 percent of people who store their board games put them on their side like it's because one if you stack them on top of each other then they like buckle in on themselves two like people put them on shelves so you need room (laughs) so you put them on the side so that they can actually go next to each other and three like (laughs) If if your board game can only be stored in one way, then as soon as you start moving it somewhere, everything just like just goes everywhere. So sometimes you open up those games and you're just like, oh, okay. Like I've <laughs> I've genuinely I've opened up a board game box and been like, I'm not gonna play this now because yeah. like I just it's gonna take me like an hour to get all this stuff back in all the little Yeah, bits. I've been in the same position. Uh shout out to Wasteland Express Delivery Service, which is A, a great game, and B has maybe the most meticulous uh, storage solution. I think it's Game Trays. There's like a brand that does the yeah, I've heard thing, of that. but it locks together perfectly. And there's a little guide for where everything goes, mm. and it's designed so that you can basically get out the trays, put them on the table, and you're ready to go in like a matter of two minutes or something like that. Mm. And it's really smart. And the punch boards, once you punch them out, I think it's this game. They go under everything else so that I've everything still fits snugly yeah. perfectly. Yeah, it's a real yeah. yeah like, bravo, awesome. bravo to that. It's the way it should be done with every game. Yeah, uh, I, I, was... I feel like we should just if we ever did scores for reviews, we should dock everyone a point for their crap in. Like, it's going to be like video game scores from the nineties, where it's like <laughs> graphics and <laughs> sound and I will say, feel. as much as I I do like Overboss, the storage system for that game is not great because there's this weird like plastic lid you so it has like an inlay which is fine although you have to put the tokens underneath all the tiles and it just looks messy because there's not like a nice little dip for them to go into they just all overlap um 
But then there's like this lid you're supposed to put on top of something. It's not clear where you're supposed to put it on top of. Because if you try and put it on top of just the tiles and everything, there's not enough room for like the boards and stuff. So it just kind of feels like you just have to like dunk it on wherever. And then you put the lid on and hope to God that it like just stays in place. So uh, there you go. Nice, nice rant from all of us there. Mm. Just oh god, yeah. really grinds my gears. <laughs> uh, and with that, let's let's bring this podcast to an end. Thank you for your questions. Uh, you can again, you can get in touch at podcast at dicebreaker.com if you have a question or you just want to rant about storage solutions. Yes, look, we're we're here. We're on your side. Uh, before we leave you, Wheels head of video <gasps> for yes, Dicebreaker. Uh, what's coming up on youtube.com slash dicebreaker in the next week or so and what's already up well so we've actually um we had a plan but now we're swapping it around a little bit because um and this obviously would have been out by the time that you kick in um if you're watching this on the day it comes out then it would have been two days ago on the wednesday uh lolis who um has still got footage from one of the let's plays that we did in the studio <gasps> a year ago what? is putting out a special episode on the channel of me and Lolis in the studio playing Cutterlands, uh, <gasps> which is like it's kind of like clip cut parks but less good um, oh. but it's like a sort of uh, <laughs> that's the way to sell like it <laughs> it's like a sort of like you know map making game or whatever um but like for whatever reason we've just never had an appropriate time to put this footage out so like literally at the start of the video you can hear me talking about my birthday coming up or just been <laughs> when it's literally just been now so it's, it's been like that long since we were last in the studio we're doing like a special it's been a year since we've been in the office episode let's play uh which is gonna be fun so keep an eye out for that uh on thursday we'll play more games on the stream friday obviously this is when this comes out and then the day after will be the third episode and final episode of Dungeon Breaker. Oh, prepare your tissues. Johnny Chiodini. Johnny Chiodini's mm-hmm. last ever Dungeon Breaker episode, so please stick around for that. And then hopefully on Sunday, if all goes to plan, you'll have a lovely list from yours truly of all the best digital card games that you can play right now. Oh, right. how exciting. Excellent what a week. Stuff. What a week. Uh, meanwhile, over on dicebreaker.com, uh, of course, we have daily news from Alex Meehan and Chase, our wonderful news reporter who has written some fantastic features recently. Um, we also have up as of, well, this podcast going live, um, Kieran wrote a fantastic piece about Animon Story, which is a tabletop RPG inspired by Pokemon and Digimon, if you couldn't tell by the name, um, where you have an Animon and it evolves and you have a bond with it. And it's it's basically Pokemon and Digimon as a tabletop RPG, but there's some really... Uh, some really fun ideas in there, and it's a very sweet. It has very colourful, good artwork. Um, there is a list from me of the best online board games. Um, finally, something I've been working on for a while and have been very busy. Um, I've finally got it out. So it's games that you can play in your browser, so you don't need to download anything. You can just play them straight up, pop in the URL. Uh, so everything from Catan and Codenames to Netrunner, Keyforge is in there. Uh, there's There's a surprising amount where you can just play them. Uh, just jump straight in. Uh, we will have, hopefully, another list, a roundup of the best D&D settings, what you can go adventuring in, from Alex Meehan. Yeah, I've been in the chopper flying around the world of D&D. Yeah, flying around the Forgotten Realms. Dragon chopper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the um, dragon chopper. It, yeah, we... it's shaped like a dragon, so not to alarm, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a cloak, cloaked 
device. Uh, we also have a fantastic feature actually chatting with the um, founder and head of uh, Inside the Box, uh, the studio behind Subterra, funnily enough, um, and among other games about how basically they sprang up out of really nowhere and came up with these really interesting inventive ideas, including Alba, their game book, which is like over a thousand pages long. So it's like, I think they claim it's the world's biggest game book and it's this very ambitious project. Mm. Um, but they've also made Subterra and Statecraft and Newspeak and a lot of kind of interesting designs. Um, so that's a really good piece. So that'll be up this week. Uh, and of course, there'll be plenty more, uh, but I've listed plenty enough. So we will bring this podcast to a close. Come find us on dicebreaker.com or youtube.com slash dicebreaker. Go buy some Dicebreaker merch on dicebreaker.myshopify.com. It's been a while since I said it and I forgot it. Uh, we might, who knows, we might have some new things in the works for later this year. I mean, yeah, on the, the merch fact that you're side. saying that doesn't give us any clues whatsoever. So, <laughs> there's, uh, yes, we have, there's some exciting stuff uh, cooking up. We've got um, some cool ideas. We don't know when it will be out yet, but it's it's coming. Uh, but until we meet again, thank you for joining us, Alex Meehan. I love it. It's great. <laughs> thank you for being here. New head of video, Michael Wills Whelan. It was bloody brilliant. Okay? Oh, it's fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> Marvel United played absolutely fantastically. <laughs> Listen, uh, it, it, the shift that Wolverine's put in for this side is... <laughs> uh, I've been Matt Jarvis. Thank you for joining us. Stay safe out there. Take care of yourselves. We'll be back next Friday. But until then, have a lovely day. Bye. Bye.